0: I'm Sebastian Zupanek from Armadura Metal Roof, the roof that's as beautiful as it is
1: long lasting.
0: Put the brakes on there, Seabass. You again? I'm Bill Crooked from Crooked Roofing.
1: Just my luck.
0: You talking about a good looking roof? You nutty? I'm not. You joking around? I don't joke. You funning with me?
1: I'm not fun.
0: Roofs are dirty, oily, grimy. It's why they got to pay us so much to go up there and put that awful stuff on top of your house. Your Armadura metal roof will make your house even more beautiful. Not making any sense, Seabass. Don't call me Seabass. Got to remind people how stinky and sticky roofs are. Maybe what you install, but not Armadura. You're just not a team player, Seabass. What, your team? Team Crooked? Bill Crooked, that's my name. Pleased to meet you. That makes one of us. Madura.ca. Steven, it's pizza
2: day. Is that right? 30 minutes are free, baby. <laughs> All right. Sounds like Domino's, huh? Domino's. There it is. Right. Yeah, Domino's is is interesting. It was founded by Tom Monahan in, in Michigan, you know, back in nineteen sixty. In the eighties, he sold it to an investment place and he sold it for about a billion dollars.
0: About a billion
2: about a billion um, so he did okay with his investment but there's there's kind of a couple of funny twists in there including some things with his brother. I would not relish uh, Christmas uh, with him and his his brother because basically it happened in 1960 his brother was working at this pizza store that was actually called Dominic's and it, and it went under and and Tom and his brother borrowed 500 bucks they scraped together 500 bucks for the down payment to buy the, to, to buy the store. So they buy this store and it was not an immediate success. So, you know, you know how we talk a lot of times about the chickening out period in terms Mm -hmm. of, and you're working on it and you're working on it and people chicken out. How long does it usually take for the chickening out period to happen, Dave, when we're talking to clients?
0: Three to four months, usually.
2: Yeah, and 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 really become strong at the six month period, right? Mm -hmm. Well, at the six month period, his brother said, I'm out, I can't do this any longer. It's just, it's just not, not working. And, and so basically he bought his brother out by giving him, they had this old VW Beetle that they used for delivery. And that's basically what he bought his brother out with. So he bought his brother out with, with basically this car and he went on to become a billionaire. How'd you, how would you like those Christmas dinners? <laughs> uh, say the guy made his choice. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still it'd be one of those weird ones. But, but here's the thing about dominoes that that's, that's really interesting is when they bought the store, the store was small, and that really limited the amount. Like pizza stores in those days were limited by the number of seats you had and how quickly you could turn those seats. And Tom had a really interesting background. He, he learned something in the newspaper business. He, he, grew up, he grew up really poor. He grew up in foster homes and the like. He couldn't afford university, so he enrolled in the Marines. During the time he was in the Marines, he saved money for, for university, and then he got swindled. He got swindled out of the money, so he never ended up being able to, to, to go to university, so he needed to make money. He basically took over a newspaper stand, and this is what he learned in the newspaper stand. He said, wait a minute, I can only sell so many newspapers from a stand. I can sell a lot more newspapers if I deliver door to door. And he had heard about somebody else in another community doing door-to-door. So he started delivering newspapers door-to-door. And this learning stayed with him because the key was door-to-door, do it fast. If you can do it fast, if you, can, you, can, you can make a lot of money doing door-to-door delivery. So when he took over this small pizza place, that lesson was still with him. And he said, you know what? We're going to do pizza door-to-door delivery. Because when you're doing delivery, it's limited by the number of hungry people that are a short drive away than the six seats that you've got in your pizza place. So they started to do pizza delivery. And really, quite frankly, they invented pizza delivery. People were not doing pizza delivery at that time, but it also meant they had to change the business model because pizza Mm -hmm. delivery is about fast and efficient. Right? So one of the things was when he took over the store, they had five sizes. And if you think about five sizes of pizza, when somebody phones, remember this was, in, we're talking in 60s, somebody phone, yeah. playing the five different prices and the five different sizes, you got to stock five different sizes of box. You've got to have dough and everything pre-made for five sizes, because you're not going to make everything like, like you have to make it fast, right? So we cut it down to three. And
0: then you got people on the phone doing the mental math of trying to figure out if uh, the the one between the medium and the large is a better deal than the large or right and that nobody nobody remembers uh, pi r squared for area uh, yeah no, i right. don't want to do that it
2: becomes really complicated but what he realized when he took it down to the three sizes is that he was actually going to have to eliminate the most popular size so think about that you've you've got a restaurant it's a new restaurant it's struggling you're inventing this new thing called pizza delivery and you're going to take your most popular size and you're going to eliminate it that's a pretty freaking bold move. Sure. You know, people got to be bold. That is a bold move, but it worked. And he found that, you know, margins were better and the business started, started growing, had a couple locations going. And then he met Ray Kroc. He met Ray Kroc in the sixties. And that's when he started then to expand um, using the franchise model. And Wouldn't there he wanted to be a fly on the wall of that conversation. No kidding, eh? Meeting, meeting Ray Kroc and you're just getting things going. And and you, you decide to, to follow in the McDonald's model.
0: Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this.
1: Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay-per-performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner-operated companies, this is your podcast. And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want, and the only coin required is candor. Because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations, and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly, and Boom. Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you a hundred bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not-so-full-of-shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at EmpireBuildersProgram.com.
0: Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing.
2: And you decide to to follow the McDonald's model. When they first started expanding, they were really smart because, again, when you think delivery, if you can go to somewhere where you can deliver three or four pizzas at once— In a single delivery, that would be really effective, right? So they located near university campuses. That makes sense. And they really focused on that as their business model. They didn't start with the 30 minutes of free. It took them a number of years to develop that um, and an investment of millions and millions of dollars to build the systems and the processes to do that. But nevertheless... They were one of the first doing delivery located near the universities. And basically by the end of 1973, they had, so 13 years after they started, they had 76 stores, they'd grown from zero or from the one to to 76 stores. And there's an article in my, on my website that talks about how businesses grow and businesses don't grow like this. They, they get a speed and then they grow exponentially. So you think about they went from zero to 76 in 13 years. Well, five years later, they doubled to 159. There you go. Five years after that, a thousand, and they actually became the largest privately owned restaurant company in the world uh, before being before being bought out by uh, uh, by the investment firm, you know, which was then 15 years after that, where they got given a a billion dollars for for the for the investment, and it was Mitt Romney's firm that bought them. Oh wow. Yeah. So Mitt Romney was actually involved with the firm at the time that that acquisition, that acquisition was done. That's
0: a pretty cool story. So um, being able to apply something that you've already learned, newspaper delivery, and taking what you've learned and applying it into some new venture uh, is, is a pretty powerful lesson. Yeah. And then the accelerant being that meeting with Ray Kroc and going, oh, you know, you, you there's a bigger vision than just being uh, the biggest pizza guy in town. Yes. Yeah. Right, or in your
2: part of town. And taking that learning. And and again, we accept franchising as a common thing today, but in the 60s, it really wasn't. It was still a relatively new idea. So it'd have been easy to go, oh, franchising. You know, I don't know. So he really showed his ability to look at other things and go, how can I apply this to this business model? How can I apply that to this business model? How can I apply that to this business model? And 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 built an empire. And 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 none of these things were easy decisions. It would be easy today to go, oh, yeah, it was easy decision. It was Ray Kroc. But Ray Kroc back in the '60s, McDonald's was not. No, it was warmer as well.
0: Uh, like I said, yeah, to to be a fly on the wall of that conversation, they're both they were both in building mode.
2: They were both in building mode. We all know Domino's is not the best pizza on the planet. Just like McDonald's burgers are not the best burgers on the planet, but yet. There's lessons that we learn from these companies.
0: You create an experience for people and you can recreate it with ease because you have systems in place that allow you to do that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com.